Welcome to this week's Monday meeting. Today is June 29th, 2020. Monday meetings are a chance for motion designers all over the world to connect and ask questions, share inspiration, or hear presentations and interact with industry-leading artists on an equal playing field. Your host today is myself, Liam Clisham, and we're kind of just closing out the season. Um, we started doing seasons last year, and so this is season three, and we're just going to close season three and take a break for the summer and come back around Labor Day. Um, so I don't really have anything special to talk about. This is kind of just a, a wrap up. If you have a question, please use the raise your hand function located under participants to be called on. If you're unable to ask your question, just type your question to the chat. Um, if you don't have a mic or camera or anything, this is the same as raising your hand and we'll field them that way. And then also this call is recorded. So if you have any concerns about anything said in the call, just let us know and we'll take it out from the final recording. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything. Um, technically it's, I just hosted a little while back, so it's not really my day to host, but we're closing up the season. So um, I figured I should hop on and host, but I don't know what to talk about. Kind of kind of excited to be taking a break a little bit and just focus on work and summer that said we are going to keep the daily calls going so if you get lonely or whatever you want to have some accountability or just hang out with some people throughout the day um, just go ahead and hop on anytime between about 9 30 a.m to about 5 p.m eastern time and We've got people here hanging out. So yeah, what do people want to talk about? Anybody? Anybody have anything? Can I just bring up uh, the upcoming Hulai event? Have you oh. seen Hulai? It's Houdini's sure. uh, daily uh, oh, project. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, so that? I remember you posting that now. Yeah, so uh, Houdini Side Effects, who makes Houdini, is doing a daily render uh, challenge. It's basically a way for them to uh, self-promote their product, but um, they put out a uh, a link that I'll share here in a second um, to of like topics. I I relate it to like Inktober, if you know what that is. Uh, for drawing, but this is for Houdini. Uh, I'm about two months into my journey with Houdini, so this will be a big challenge, um, especially because so far they've said uh, you can only use Houdini so uh, for rendering as well. But I'm super... I think Tokyo found out that that's not true, that you can oh, use third-party rendering. It and sweet. Even better. Um, but the really cool thing is if you do every 31 days, you get a free Houdini swag pack, which I think is motivation enough for me to do it. Um, you could also win um, shirts and swag and licenses of Houdini, which I think is big, as well as some Intel Nook computers. I did a little bit of research into those. They look like little bitty desktop computers. But yeah, I'm excited about it. Hoping that as many people as possible will join. So. I don't feel so out of my element. <laughs> yeah, so here, like, I'm super excited for it because I always love pushing my Houdini skills. But they open up with like the hardest things to, <laughs> to do in Houdini. Like, 
day day one earth that's that's okay like you can do that however you want but like wind okay that's starting to get into sim area water simulations are very time consuming i don't know how people knock that out in a day fire i mean that that's also pretty time consuming and then they go back into the fifth day of wave which is also water and super super time consuming and processor heavy so um yeah i'm interested to see what people do with this just because a, a lot of these themes are very processor heavy um but it should be cool i guess mark was saying mark fancher who does the mograph.com houdini course and he, he's the senior houdini artist at already been chewed he's like i wish i had like three or four days for each of these I think it'd be kind of cool next year if they did like a whole summer challenge and you got like three days for each one. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm most scared <laughs> for speed and muscle. <laughs> uh, let's see. Anastasia, you've got a question, which I think is a good one. If you hired someone for a job and happens to be small and you find out they outsourced it, does this matter to you? Do you think it's unethical? I think it's problematic. I think it kind of depends on what your contract is with your client. Um, I mean, for example, I'm doing a job right now and there is the main client that outsourced to a producer that outsourced to me and I'm outsourcing to illustrators. So um, there's already quite a bit of that happening. I, I think it's kind of the nature of our industry a little bit, especially now, how so many people are working remote. Um, but I think it really kind of depends on the client. Alejandro, do you want to chime in? Yeah, I, I'm pretty much with you on that. It's like outside of an NDA preventing me from do that. Um, I, I normally I'm hiring a person or a company for the end result. So if what they're giving me is what I'm expecting, like whether it's the style, the quality, whatever it is, then I honestly don't care how they get to that point. Um, it's just a means to an end. Um, I think it's, again, if my agreement is, you know, I'm paying X amount of money for a product and you know, if I, if I reach out to a specific illustrator, a specific animator is because of a particular style or a particular set of skills. And if their role is, is, is doing it by themselves or is just art directing, I, it doesn't, uh, to, at least to me personally, it doesn't matter as long as they're not breaking any kind of, you know, NDA or agreement that I have with my, with my own client. Yeah. I guess it, like, it kind of depends on the specifics too, because like Brad's saying, it's kind of shitty and would never hire them again. Like if you hired a MoGraph person and they were busy and they just hired someone else. Um, my only- so why, is it, why is it shitty, sorry? Yeah, like my, my only argument for that would be like, that's kind of what happens in a business too. Like what if a client comes to a business and say normal client things happen where like, projects start to overlap a little bit, then you just hire 
someone to take on that work. You hire either a freelancer or if you are ramping up that much, then you hire someone on his staff. Um, so I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing and shitty, you know, like it's, it's just the person trying to grow their business a bit. I, I don't know. If you've got a mic, I would, I would love to hear your perspective on it a bit more too. But to, to add earlier, it's just like, as long as the quality is not being affected. I mean, because I, if, I think if clients realize how many times an agency just dumps projects on an intern or, or somebody doesn't have the skills at the last minute, people will be terrified. Um, but yeah, as long as the quality is not affected, if what you're getting is what you're expecting, I don't see a problem. Yeah. I th- I th- yeah, I think it comes down to a lot of communication aspect of it because I always try and have my contracts set up in a way that it's through my business just in case these things happen. Because I've definitely taken on projects um, where, like, say, Mark Sinosia, who has come to me and my schedule has been pretty clear. So we kick off a project, but then that client has a holdup somewhere. And then someone else comes to me with a project and I see that, all right, we're, we're not going to be doing Mark's project for a little bit. So I'm going to take on this other project in between. And then as I get going, Mark's project kicks off again, and I need to meet this new deadline for this new project. And I also need to help Mark get to his project spot. So I kind of weigh where I'm best suited for these projects. So if it's a 3D project with Mark, I probably would lean towards that. And then I would probably hire someone to help me out with the new project, especially if it's 2D, because I try not to do 2D too much anymore. Um, you want to chime in a little bit more, Anastasia? Like, is this happening to you? Um, so it wasn't my situation. I'll just post a link to um, somebody, I saw on Twitter, somebody else started Uh, that conversation and it wasn't for any type of work that I do but uh, their situation was earlier that they um, this year they hired a designer slash developer to build out a simple single page site which they had designed and then found out that it was outsourced Uh, but they also didn't get what they wanted out of it so for them like they didn't get the deliverable that they needed out of them but my question because i saw people chiming in that like specifically the fact that it was outsourced was a problem and that made me i guess like wonder you know why is it considered inherently problematic by some people yeah i i'm reading the the link now and just for people that are listening i'll I'll read it out loud says, earlier this year, we hired a designer slash developer to build out a simple single page site, which I had designed. He then outsourced it unbeknownst to us. 
and was also unable to deliver it to a usable working standard. He's now chasing for payment. What's the move here? Know so, that they didn't have a contract. Um, and apparently it, it sounds like it was um, started out as like a quick project that turned into or stretched out into three weeks of back and forth. And they, um, the original, I guess, person who hired them ended up having to hire someone else to build it from scratch. So obviously they're frustrated. They feel like, I guess, that they, you know, shouldn't be paying for work that wasn't delivered on. Um, so I feel like that's a separate question from the fact that people, um, including the original poster, um, find the fact that it was outsourced to be inherently problematic. And I, I feel like those are two separate questions. Yeah. Reading the, the tweet, I think there's two, maybe even three separate issues going on with this of just like, one, they didn't have a contract, it sounds like. Two, communication from the get-go, from the person outsourcing to this designer developer it just just in the initial read of the tweet doesn't seem like it was great um and then three like like the whole payment issue too like all like there, there's a lot of like red flags there so yeah go ahead alejandro i was saying that in reading that i i don't think the outsourcing part even matters is yeah. that you hire somebody to do something they didn't deliver period. That's the problem. Um, if you outsource, you are the responsible party. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter that you outsource. I mean, if anything, I don't necessarily think that you always have to even disclose that. I mean, you are getting something done and somebody's paying you expecting something. If you don't, it's on you. I've, I know from the, you know, from previous experience, I've had uh, projects where I've gotten extra help and it, that person did not deliver. And I did not put the blame on, oh, this person didn't do it. That was me. I ended up redoing the project out of my own cost because I needed, you know, I made a, 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 a commitment to this one client that I was going to deliver something of good quality. And what I, what I got from, from the person that was helping me wasn't of good quality. So I ended up just redoing. Um, and again, that's, it was on me. Had I not been able to deliver that on time, the, that I outsource or not didn't matter. I fail. I had. I would have failed as a as a as a director at that point in managing a project with my client. Yeah, and like I'm dealing with that right now, where I hired a couple of illustrators, and I thought we were going down the direction that was great for the client, and then showed the client, and they weren't happy. It's like, all right, well then, just because the client isn't happy doesn't mean that my illustrators don't get paid and like I'm not going to deliver a product that they don't like either. I'm going to either eat the cost and hire more illustrators or illustrate it myself or do whatever needs to be done. Um, so I think that's like the, the real issue here is I mean, you, you have to stand by your work a bit, whether or not it's your work yourself that you're doing it or it's your work that you're hiring. Like it's the same as building a house, you know, like we, we love houses in this industry as metaphors, but like, or analogies, but say you hire a contractor 
and the contractor's name is like Billy Bob Contracting. You you kind of go into it with the understanding that like a house takes multiple people to get it done. And I know that if I'm having a house built and I showed up at the job site and I saw more than just Billy Bob working on the house, I would not be upset by that, you know, like, so I feel like that kind of goes with this scenario too. Like when I get hired, I'm, I'm kind of just guaranteeing that the project will get done under the agreed cost. Um, not necessarily that it's just going to be me on the project. I mean, it, it, it kind of is a, a benefit to us to, to think of ourselves as agencies in this, in this context, is that when, when a client hires an agency to do a project, they don't know what designers working on the project. They don't know how many designers are working on the project, in most cases. Um, the agency is just promising that they're going to deliver a quality product, you know, what, you know, what they promised it. So again, yeah, if, if anything, if I hear that if an agency put, you know, five designers on something versus just one, I'll be happy as a client because I know that they're putting more attention <laughs> work into it. So yeah, I don't, I don't think outsourcing as a, in that context, I don't think it's a negative thing. And they are, they are definitely, con you know, situations in there. I don't think it's morally right, but, um, but for the most part, I think, again, it's, 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 it's almost an invisible thing um, or it should be almost an invisible thing to the client. Yeah. I think a lot of it just comes down to the communication aspect of it too. You know, like I, I know, uh, I hate to bring Chris down because he's so controversial, but he's, he's talked about how like he started blind and it basically started as him and then he realized if he could hire more people that he could bust out more work quickly. So he, like, he was still doing the work, but he was actually outsourcing to other people. And that's pretty much how he built up blind. Um, I think that's kind of the same for us. The only, like the only time I think it really gets into a gray area is say you're hiring a specific artist that has a specific style and you are under the guise that it's going to be that artist um, but that said as well like look at projects that people does and he is kind of just like the creative director on projects and like sets the aesthetic and then let's other artists run with it now like he he's not really doing that anymore and and you hear about like bigger traditional artists that do that too where they'll have interns and helpers and like they'll get an intern to like do the initial gray scale pass before they come in with color or things like that and before they like really refine the work and just because they don't want to do that time consuming crap anymore. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah, I think, I think to Brad's point of it being shitty is when it's like, you're, 
when you when you really have that idea or a, a client has that idea that they're hiring you at like a day rate i think that's kind of like where day rates kind of give that illusion but at the same time like say i get hired at my day rate and i go into fiverr to use fiverr as the worst example ever you, like i can totally outsource to someone there oh brad you got your hand up so yeah go ahead man chime in i, I definitely want to hear your take yeah like there's lots of layers to that but if you're I'm just thinking if I hired someone directly, like I have a project and I need this animated and they're like, cool, I'll do it. And they just go and find someone else. They could have just said I'm busy and referred that person. They're creating like another middleman in this whole thing. And so like they could have been upfront on that. You might've been like seeing what they can do or like, I know you can get this done. You might get the job. They might get the job done or it might get done that's fine. But now you have another person in this whole thing. That's like, Oh, well, who was this person? Um, they want to use the project. I think it just the communication like you guys are saying, it's just important up front and just adding, like if you're hiring someone to just animate something and they're like, yeah, I'll do it. And they pass it off. That's kind of like a weird spot for me. Like there was no upfront on that. Like, Oh, I'm busy, but I got someone else who can do it. So, yeah, I think I'm totally in agreement there where like if there's shadiness with it, just like blatantly not saying that you're you're not going to be the only artist working on it. Um, that's shady. Is it shady? So that means that you always have to disclose to your client whenever you need to hire outside help? Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I just think like there's di there's different layers like to the the client wants to work, but then if it's another MoGraph person hiring another MoGraph person and they just pass it off to someone else, that seems weird. So I think there's just lots of nuances yeah. in it. Julie, I see you got your hand up, and then Mashby, I saw you raise your physical hand. <laughs> yeah, so I've just been kind of linking, lurking. Lurking here, listening. Um, so I feel like, so either way, whether or not, so it's almost like if you are doing a job and you're going to have someone else help, or you're going to have someone else do most of the work, your client should either not know it all, or if you do disclose it to them, like it shouldn't, the, if you, let's say you tell them you're hiring someone else to help you. Besides that, information like telling them that there should be no difference in if they were working with, directly with you you should be doing all the communication you should be 100 percent like doing all the back and forth like you should be totally on the person you hired and directing them and you should be vetting everything they do like it's you're still the, you were the talent and your style is what was hired so even if you get help which is great like a lot of my friends like do that sometimes like oh i need some help on this but you're still the the be all end all. So it has to be up to your standards. You can't ever say like, oh, so if, if something goes kind of like whack on it and something isn't good, then you can't say like, well, I hired someone else and they, they like screwed me over. You can't, you can't pass that on your client. You say that is on you like completely. So it's like, and you can say I hired someone else, but I'm going to fix it. Or I'm in, in this, you know, that was my bad. I'm going to get it done for you. You know, either way it's up to you. It's like, it's, it's, it just falls on you. So you can't pass on anything. 
you know, and, and that's really unprofessional to blame someone else too, if, if like it came down to that. Um, but I think if you have a good relationship with the client, you can sort of um, explain, like if, like, if, like if you did disclose up front, I'm getting some help on this, but I'm going to direct it, et cetera. They trust you. That's fine, I, I'd say. Um, and if somewhere down the road, like someone doesn't deliver something that you expected them to, you might be able to explain it to the client. Like I hired someone and, you know, they didn't quite get this up to where I wanted it to be or they didn't get it done in time. Like you might be able to explain that, but it entirely depends on the relationship. But that's a really risky area. I feel like that's like very close to degrading your, your relationship with the client. So I don't know. I think it's probably better to disclose, but if you, but I don't think you're required to. I just think it has to be no difference. You know, you have to not pass anything on. You have to keep the same level of integrity that if it was just you. That's it. Yeah. And before I call on you, Mashby, I think it goes both ways too, because I've definitely been hired recently to help on a project. And then when it came to payment time, the client was just like, I haven't gotten paid, so you're not getting paid. And it's like, hmm that's not how this works. Like it, it's definitely like it works in both ways. That is, that, that makes me so mad. I, that's been, and lately that's been driving me crazy. Like, cause that's how, that seems to be a standard procedure from most clients eyes. They think that's normal. They think, Oh yeah, we'll pay you once we get paid. It's like, no. And they also think that they can just dictate like, well, our policy is not 30. Our, our policy is not 45. Our policy is not 90. It's just like, I don't know. That that makes me mad. That's like a sticking point that I get frustrated with. Yeah, like anyway. That that's just like <laughs> could turn into a huge rant now, but like really why why are we the like it seems like we're the only industry that deals with that crap. But yeah, go ahead, Mashby. You've you've been raising your hand. I just uh I can answer that answer or I can answer that question partially. Uh, so I came in late, uh, so forgive me if I'm misunderstanding where you're all going with this conversation, but it sounds to me um, like you're struggling with business ethics um, because freelancing and hiring other people is business, right? You are, you are no longer an art provider. You are a business entity that is conducting hiring and contracting, um, to the point of where the ethics lie in that, I would say uh, that if you told your client that you're illustrating a thing and then you go and hire an illustrator and claim their work as yours to get paid, that's wrong. Um, if you tell your client that you are forming a team to do a thing, then form your team. They don't need to know the details. They don't need to know that you're hiring an illustrator and a project manager. It's, it's kind of a difference between being a professional artist that provides a service and being a project manager that forms a, sorry, it just started pouring, um, forms a team and runs a project, right? Like there's, there's kind of a subtle but important distinction there. Um, as for why we're the only industry uh, it's because we allow ourselves to be the only industry. We're the, uh, so we're kind of on the vanguard of this whole gig economy that's coming in. Like we mastered it first for lack of better term. It's not completely accurate. Don't take that statement as holy writ, but we're on the forefront of um, 
you know, figuring out this whole gig economy thing and how it's going to work. And uh, to that contract negotiation is a, an important element in that. And unfortunately, because most of us who start contracting don't take business classes first, we just kind of do whatever the standard uh, advice is to get that done. And none of that includes the fact that you're supposed to negotiate a contract. In fact, you're supposed to hire a lawyer to negotiate your contract because they're the ones who see all those pitfalls. Like, can I hire somebody out? If I do, do I have to disclose it? Uh, can I charge more? Do I have to provide the files at the end of that? That's all contract negotiation. And uh, the, unfortunately, the people, the majority of people that we contract with are just more experienced with it than we are. So often you get these stories where uh, the provider is being taken advantage of one way or the other because they didn't know what they didn't know. Does that make sense? Am I, am I, adding value to this conversation or did I get off at the wrong exit? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think, I think we see that a lot because of the sensationalism of freelancing a bit too now, just like I've got multiple YouTube channels and media, like media outlets creating content that are like really pushing going freelance, but they're not doing a great job of explaining the business side of things. And even the ones that say like they're, they're working or they're showing the business side of freelance or like this episode is definitely about the business side of things. A lot of it is the same old questions like, well, how do I get started? How much do I charge? Those aren't real business questions. Like the real business questions are, how do I form an LLC in my state? Yes. Like, what's my unemployment tax rate if I have to pay an employee? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And those are the uh, things you don't know and that you don't know. Right. Um, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. So not to harp on uh, Motion Hatch because I really like what Haley's doing uh, and I appreciate the effort. Um, but I binge like the first 20 episodes of Motion Hatch last year, year before, I don't remember exactly well. But my point is, is that the first, the first handful of episodes were excellent, packed full of information on how to go from zero to freelancing in motion design. But since then, it seems like they're just repeating the same information over and over and over again. And that's because things like business ethics are not glamorous. They aren't fun to study. Uh, and Arguably, you shouldn't ever need it because the people that you work with should be acting in good faith, but that's not the world we live in, right? That's not reality. You will get clients who will try and screw you uh, just because that's the nature of the beast. And it's important in those instances, that's when you need contract negotiation and legal advice and all the things that protect businesses who conduct these sorts of business every day, but that we often don't have the protection of because either we weren't taught it or it's just not available in a manner that we can access it. Um, Insurance, medical insurance is an excellent example of this. Yeah. 
I like for those that are on the daily call too, I was just talking about this with most of the daily call people because this project that I took on, I realized like if I had hired an, like an actual employee for this project that I'm on, how much I would have saved. Like it would have, say if I was paying the, the artist 20, 25 bucks an hour, it would have been like between eight and a thousand dollars for a week. But I needed this done by really quality illustrators. So I ended up hiring freelance illustrators and spent like close to 4,000 and like that there's, there's all these things I started looking up about like health insurance. If I really did want to go down this road of hiring an employee for the rest of the year and unemployment insurance and then like how it varies from state to state, even like I, I really like the idea of being a 100% remote team. If I were to go down into really expanding into hiring an employee, but Holy shit, the nuances from state to state, even where like it or not, Obamacare is implemented. It's fucking different from state to state. <laughs> like, and just like, there's so much nuance with business that, you know, I, I think it's great that we have this gig economy, but I'm also really getting, getting irritated by like the sensationalism that I was saying, where it's just like, great. Like, more more gig people let's have like these communities of people like boxport that come together and work on projects and like make really great work because you have that diversity but holy shit people don't really know what they're doing with business yep strong agree yeah um which unfortunately makes it easier to, it creates an environment where you have a large talented labor pool uh, where a not inconsiderable amount of that talent pool is, I'm going to use the word ignorant, but I don't mean it mean. I just mean you don't know what you don't know. Um, And that's ripe for, you know, bad actors to take advantage of. And unfortunately the world of business like is just saturated with bad actors. Um, So I would actually love to see like an episode of school of motion or motion hatch or whatever else everybody's listening to these days, dive into the ethics of freelancing business and what the important steps are in forming an LLC and making sure that your employees, because uh, Liam, you were talking about hiring an employee, uh, there's a world of difference, like you were saying, state by state, but just in uh, terms of uh, part-time to full-time. Like if you hire a full-time person, you, you are now uh, responsible for that person in a shocking number of ways. Uh, and I'd love, I'd love to see somebody teach a tutorial or a class on uh, the business side, like the actual hard-ass business side of freelancing and contract, like subcontracting, because that's basically what it is, right? When you hire an illustrator, you're subcontracting. There's a whole 
list of rules for doing that ethically. Yeah, and just going with what Jeff is saying in the chat and kind of related to what you're just saying, Matt, it'd be like, I, I don't know how it works for us per se, because I've never had it come down on me. And this is why I use audit protection when I do my taxes. But Jeff was saying that his wife is a partner at a law firm and because she's part owner, they have to pay state taxes in any state where the firm does business. And I, I'm pretty certain that can apply to us too in certain instances. Like if you are physically in that state, like you've gone and say you're there with a production crew and you've shot video, then I, I think that counts. But for most of us that are doing remote work, I don't think it matters. Again, I'm not a lawyer or a CPA, so take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> so I can't answer that question but I can answer a tangential question uh, in that the laws that govern delivery of digital assets are also state to state and the tax um, responsibility in that is different state to state. Now, you probably don't hear a lot of stories of people running and follow that because over the past couple of years, no one's given a shit like uh, you don't. You won't get audited for paying the wrong state tax because you delivered a project digitally rather than sending them a thumb drive. But the language is in the laws in a lot of places where you could they could come down on you for that. Same same thing for uh, paying a subcontractor um, over a digital platform like uh, PayPal, right? So you hire an illustrator you pay them over the PayPal, you think that that's it. You hand that receipt to your accountant at the end of the year and done and done. But technically, uh, at least here in Massachusetts, you're supposed to fill out a 1099. You have to then uh, withhold the their side of the taxes, uh, the state tax. It's like this whole fucking thing. And uh, by being uninformed about this, uh, you're putting yourself at risk, right? That's why... You know, um, I'm sure people who do stuff like Liam uh, have good accountants. I mean, my wife's pretty awesome. She's my accountant. <laughs> That's even better. Um, Marry you and an accountant that can do both. Yeah. Let's see. Brad's saying, yeah, they, they don't really ever have people track down people like that, but... I do. I have noticed that it. I think it's going to become a bigger issue because, like, Patreon just sent out a whole thing about how they're going to start doing taxes. And it's going to vary from state to state and country to country, and all this. And that's just the start. Like, if Patreon's doing it, then that means that. That means it's in the tech sphere, which means it's coming to all of them. Yeah, like Gumroad will be next, mm -hmm. and all these other places. So. Yeah, it's coming. I, I, I mean, I don't know how much it will affect us eventually. I love how much we've gone from like asking contracting questions to, <laughs> to tax laws now. Sorry about that. No, no, it's cool. I, it's funny. Um, let's see, it's already 10.42. So um, I do have a hard out for another call at 11 today. So I'm just letting people know ahead of time. I'm going to wrap it up probably in the next 10 minutes here. 
Um, yeah. So going back to Anastasia's first question, do you think we covered that? Do you think you got, got enough information on that? Yeah, it was really interesting to hear everyone's perspective, um, both in the audio and the chat as well. I found Brock's um, response interesting too. So I just want to say I appreciate everyone taking the time to discuss this in detail. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, that's something, so I guess I can talk about the break and everything too. Oh wait, hold on. Is there a professional body in US who represents and lobbies for freelancers? Um, so Richard just asked that question. Yes, technically there is. There's the freelancers union. That's kind of the extent of it. Like they're supposed to be lobbying for us and everything. I don't think they've done a great job. Um, yeah, mostly focusing on lobbying in New York where they have gotten some freelancing laws put in place about contracts and payment and things like that. Um, but no, there really isn't like a professional organization that does that. So maybe we should start that up. Mashby, that's on you thinking about the I'm, I'm already working on it. I'm already fucking working on it. Um, yeah, that needs to happen for sure. So yeah, just to wrap up a little bit for this season, this season, um, We've been doing it for 26 weeks and we did this last year a little bit where we took a break for a little while and then we started a new season and it seems to work out pretty well. I talked about it a little bit towards the end of last week's call and I'm just gonna put it out there again. Um, this is kind of what it's like to host a call. It's very casual and you can kind of do whatever you want. We can have guests, you can talk about topics ranging from anything to everything. Um, and we'd like to expand that a bit and try and make this as inclusive and eclectic as possible. Just, you know, you don't have to be someone super famous or you don't have to be, have been in the industry for a long time or anything like perspectives from anyone are welcome. So starting this fall after Labor Day, I guess that's still technically summer, but going into fall, We'll be back and we would definitely like to have as many opinions and hosts as possible. Um, we probably will put a cap on it just so there's not confusion for listeners each week while it's like 16 weeks of different hosts. Um, we're not looking for like 16 different hosts, but if you're interested or you know someone that you think would be a good guest or a host or um, you just want to contribute in any way to this, we're, we're definitely looking. Um, just reach out to us, info at mondaymeeting.org or social media channels. And we'll, we'll be taking a look to see who, who wants to chime in on that. Um, but yeah, the goal will be, I think the first week after Labor Day, we'll be back. So that is, what is that? September 14th, I believe, because Labor Day is the first Monday. So that's the 7th. Yeah, so the 14th of September, we'll be back. Um, but we're going to be doing the daily calls as we've been doing them too. You might be asking why even stop the main calls at the beginning of the week. Because um, they, they are a little bit stressful to think about, like trying to think about a topic, trying to wrangle the recordings and getting them on the website and things like that. So 
um, during the week with the daily calls. We don't record them or anything. It's just hanging out and off the record for the most part for, um, you know, anyone that's in there, we understand we have like a, a friend EA agreement that, you know, we, we can share things to each other and work problems out. And, you know, we might talk about work that we're working on, but it doesn't really go beyond that call there. So it's been a really great resource. So that's why we're going to keep that going. And then we'll restart the main calls. Um, I don't really have any cool links this week either. I like, I've just been so in on work. So does anyone have any cool links that they've come across this week? Um, actually, I can think of one that I just came across. Where is it? It's so Billy Chicken told me that this has been out for a while, but I just saw it for the first time. If you all are familiar with Smy, they do a lot of uh, the phone company Oppo's work, and they just put out a tribute to Evangelion. If I'm saying that correctly, I'm probably not because I've never watched it, but it's an anime that's been around for years. And so they remade a trailer uh, in 3D based on the original 2D trailer. And I think it turned out pretty awesome. Um, that's kind of it for cool stuff and inspirational stuff I've seen passed around. Just looking through all my slacks at the moment to see if there's anything. No, that's basically it. A lot of, a lot of just like going into summer people are dying down with communicating a lot uh jeff you're saying you don't have a link but oh the change to arm processors um i think that's an awesome topic i'll see if i can find it there was a really good breakdown by linus tech tips i'll grab that really quickly linus tech tips um but in short if you are unaware, Apple had their main keynote last week, and they are going to be stepping away from Intel and going back to developing their own chipsets. Here we go. There's the Linus Tech Tip video. Um, they're going to be going back to developing their own chipsets, just like they have been for iPads and their phones and everything but the Mac line. And so they're going to be switching to ARM processors. If you're not familiar with ARM processors, they're the same chips that have been in iPads and iPhones. Um, they're really mobile friendly and powerful. There's even been talks on like Blender forums and GitHub channels and things like that uh, about the future of rendering not being GPU, but actually being like ARM clusters. Um, so it's pretty interesting to see Apple double down on this, especially since they have said no to NVIDIA as well and are going with AMD and like all of that. And um, the interesting thing about this, like Jeff just said of like how it may affect how software works in the near future is on the Apple ecosystem, that means there could be like complete fluidity between Apple products. So Photoshop on Mac will be a one-to-one -one or very close to one-to-one -one on the iPad and possibly on your phone as well. The argument that I heard, 
and maybe it was Alejandro. I forget who was talking about it last week, but somebody on the main call was saying that the issue with it is it's another software division for developers. So not only are they going to have to develop for... That was me. Was that Yuzu Bear? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to chime in on that about how like not only they're they're going to have to develop for Apple, but now they're having to develop. Yeah, I mean they're so they're developing for Intel. They've been developing for uh, AMD, and now they have like another ARM division that they're going to have to develop for. So I'm just I'm just worried about like first fix all the shit that's wrong with the current After Effects before you start like a whole new division of like working on a completely new thing. You know. Yeah. That that's just my view. Like fix fix your existing product before you start making new ones. Yeah, totally. But it was really interesting when you brought that up because I didn't even think about that as a dev perspective that not only do you have to debug on Intel, you also have to debug on AMD and like that the software doesn't run completely identical. It's not like you're just developing for Windows or Mac, but it, that processor really plays into that because I've, I've come across that with, X particles in Cinema 4D where it runs and works great on an Intel chipset, but is horribly underpowered on an AMD chipset. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Cause like <clears throat> these programs, they're optimized on the core level for the processors. So like mm-hmm. if you're optimizing for Intel code, then you're not optimizing for AMD. So like it, you know, that's why with, Apple, it's good because they like hold all of their software and they can optimize their software for their ARM or Intel or whatever they have. But like, it's the developer's responsibility then to come in and uh, be able to convert all of that code. Now, Apple does provide like a migration tool, but it's more or less a stopgap. It's not really the correct way of porting your apps. Um, they did that when they ha- when they went from PowerPC to Intel and now they're going from Intel to ARM, but it's, yeah, like they, they have a, a shortcut way of doing it. It's called Rosetta, Rosetta 2, but um, that, that's not the correct way to do it. The correct way is to actually write code specifically for that platform. Yeah. Um, reading through what Jeff is saying in the chat too, that you switched to a Threadripper in January and Maya has been way more stable than it used to be. Maybe just Autodesk working on stability, but full processor. I, I kind of agree that when I switched to a Threadripper in general, I've been more stable across apps. There are like little hiccups here and there. Like I know Cinema 4D, when you install it, or this was like R19 era, when you install on AMD that you actually have to like write a line of code in a text doc because it doesn't play or doesn't start properly with AMD. Um, they've since fixed that for sure. Cause I haven't had to do that in a long time. Um, but I've noticed that for pretty much everything that my, my crash rate has gone down a lot. I think Intel in general has kind of just gone to crap over the recent years, but that's a, that can be a whole nother rant and tirade for another time. Um, so as I said a few minutes ago, I got to hop on a call in like five minutes here. So I'm going to wrap it up and close out. 
Oh yeah, I, go I got a I got a link. Yeah. Uh, you wanted you wanted more links. Uh, so this is ncase.me. Um, this is uh, he is a uh, games artist. He develops games, but they are super awesome um, and addictive, uh, and they help explain really difficult uh, concepts. So the ones that I enjoy the most, uh, the ones that I've gone through are the evolution of trust and the parable of polygons. The evolution of trust uh, is illustrating a game theory uh, concept and the parable of polygons is a easy way to explain to children about redlining. Um, but he's got a whole bunch of other stuff that's really good. I just haven't gone through it yet. Sweet. I am going to check this guy out. I like their style. It reminds me of the oatmeal. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of um, uh, Don't Don't Starve Together. I don't know if I know that. Clay is the name of the company. K-L-E-I. They make games, and that's what it reminds me of. But it also kind of is like the old, uh, not Netflix, new, new Grounds, New Grounds. You remember oh, yeah. the games and New Grounds? That's what it reminds me of. Yeah, me too. Um... Just reading the chat. I think that's it for links and comments from people. Cool. So thanks everybody for joining this week and this season as we wrap up this season going to the summer break. You can find us on all the social media platforms just by searching for Monday Meeting. And then audio for the calls are posted each week on your podcast app of choice or available at the website mondaymeeting.org. Um, again, thank you everyone who participates each week in whatever manner, even if you're just a lurker and listening, it's awesome to have everybody participate. So we will be back after Labor Day um, and hopefully it'll be fresh and fun and new faces and maybe maybe we won't be dealing with so much shittiness of 2020 that <laughs> far into the year. Knock on wood that we have a good summer. But everybody have a great summer. Um, if you are sticking around for the daily call, I will be starting it back up probably around 11.30 Eastern time if you want to jump back on. Um, but thanks, everybody, and we'll see you soon.